Greetings, Alchemist. Welcome back to the Film Alchemist podcast, the show where we break apart like a geode the things we love about our favorite movies to find out what makes them magical. Joined, as always, on my descent through the gateway to hell, my friend and co-host, Alex Dandino. All right, guys, this is it. The last film of the pod goes to hell month. And it is a doozy. The way I describe this movie, The Gate, 1987's The Gate, starring Stephen Dorff before all the blues cigarettes had riddled him (laughs) into the man we know now. The way I describe this movie, let's say you're a parent and you're dying to watch Evil Dead, but your kids are about. And you still want to watch Evil Dead, but you don't want to be such a piece of shit to let your young kids see Evil Dead. You think maybe you'll show them The Gate and be just like kind of a bad parent. That's how I describe this movie. <laughs> that is uh, that is that is surprisingly accurate. I would say, yeah, this movie is essentially that one movie that your mom rents you, thinking that it's like a fun like kid. Oh, my kids will enjoy it. It's like you know, <laughs> like there's that weird little like My Little Monster movie, and yeah. she rents it because that was out. Gives it to you, walks out. She's like, great, I, I have like two hours to myself. And like 30 minutes afterwards, you come screaming into the movie like, oh, my God, what uh, the fuck did you rent, Mom? Like, that's what ooh, this movie Ooh, Fred Savage, he's a nice boy. I want you to be like him, Alexander. <laughs> I want you to be like him, so I'm going to have you watch Steven Dorff, whoever he is. Yeah, that guy's going to turn out great. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'm sure he'll never smoke cigarettes. Yeah, so it is, it is unusual because there are times when if – your parents walked by and saw you watching this. Right. It would play like E.T. or The Goonies. Uh, Monster Squad was maybe the little further down the line due to violence. Right. And uh, true danger. Um, this one to me goes past because this is all the kind of hallmarks of um, a fun 80s group of kid movies. There were a lot of those movies that were coming out and were great. Right. But this one really goes into some some psychological depths that at best would scar children for their entire yeah, lives. As just sh- an audience, you can kind of survive it. But if you were these characters, you would be fucked up forever. Yeah. There's you some would truly Steven Dorf. <laughs> there's some truly horrible shit that happens in this movie, like terrifyingly terrible things that happen to children in this movie. <laughs> yeah. So the movie jumps off immediately, right, with what I think is a nightmare. So the, a kid coming home to an empty house can't find his parents. That's already a scary concept, right? Right. Lightning strikes a tree. And then we have kind of a hard cut into they're actually taking the tree down. <laughs> Which is, and this never... is one of those. This is one of those great moments, right? This is kind of an inciting incident with no fucking explanation. I actually, I love that this movie just has something they're doing. Yeah. And they're just like, how do we get the gateway to hell in the backyard? Ah, put a fucking geode under the tree. <laughs> well, why are there only two geodes? What's a geode? Fucking goddamn it, put it under the tree. And put it, it under the tree. <laughs> so they find a geode, right? So we're introduced to Steven Dorff's little character. And then his friend, Terry, right? Who's kind of a an Opie Taylor uh, who wishes he could be in the Ramones, right? A little punk rock metal Opie Taylor. So he's yeah. a little hardcore, and he's like, hey, let's make some money off of these uh, geodes. He's like, we're going to get under that tree and find some more geodes, which they do. Right. Um, <laughs> And I have to say, I have the softest of spots in my heart for Terry. Oh, yeah. Um, I don't know if people will be able to um, suss this out, but I was a bit of a Terry. 
I wrote <laughs> I wrote in my notes for this movie, could there be a more perfect Griffey movie? A nerdy metal kid summons demons, then uses a dope metal record to subdue. That's yeah, literally what yeah. I wrote. I'm like, I'm pretty sure this is just Griffey's life. A young there Griffey. are there's definitely been a day within the last month where I have been in my bathroom post shower, you know, <laughs> towel robe, uh, singing fantasy metal songs. Oh, so yes. this I have not grown out of Terry. If anything, I've come to embrace him more. <laughs> so there's kind of a quick intro to the parents, right? We 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 meet them. We meet the family. One of the struggles is that the sister's pulling away from Steven Dorf. He wants them to come back. Uh, Terry, the parents think Terry's a bit of a weirdo. We already know he's kind of got that troublemaker kid vibe. Yeah. Well, it's because he's uh, wearing a cutoff sleeve shirt. That's how you know. Yeah. He, he has a denim vest with patches on it that ver- never means a, good things a very dope, unless it's like a, very a, a dope boy scout or a, yeah <laughs> hey i actually still have a leather vest full of metal patches so you do again i'm very i'm very terry so we very. get through the family stuff right and immediately here's the here's the rub the parents leave they put the daughter in charge She's like i'm so old you can't call the babysitter they, they they leave her in charge, right? The final directive, of course, like all these movies, don't you have a party. Don't you throw a party. We cut to a party which both shocked me and struck me as maybe the worst party ever, right? <laughs> the first thing you're struck by is how very hell-like the 80s were. Oh, yes. Right? It's like if you've ever seen a little ashtray on an airplane, you're like, holy fuck, they used to smoke in these tubes as if <laughs> airplanes could be any more fucking horrible. Right. Imagine throwing a party. I didn't get invited to a lot in high school. Imagine throwing a party and having 25 to 30 people in your parents' living room and be like, yeah, fucking chain smoke. They have decorative ashtrays everywhere. <laughs> and just the, the, <laughs> the ball sack smell that your house would have when your parents return right. and not fearing getting beaten to death. Right. The 80s were hell. The 80s were a hell. The 80s That's were true. absolutely horrifying. And, and we don't know that there was even AC in there. Imagine that. Oh, no. There was no Sweaty AC. Sweaty teens, smoke everywhere, no AC. Nope. Then we go upstairs. What are the kids doing? They're fucking pounding geodes looking for easy yeah. dollars. Yeah, exactly. Terry's like <laughs> mining like a... Terry looks like a fucking gold rush guy trying to crack open this geode. <laughs> and successfully cracks it open. This is where we get into it. This is where the movie actually starts. The geode rips open, flashing lights. And of course, as it would, uh, an ancient ritual language of hell transcribed on what is kind of like an etch-a-sketch with Big Bird on <laughs> a child's toy. It looks like uh, the thing the Wooly Willies the kids- used to come out on. Yes, like a Wooly Willie. What do the kids do? I don't know what this is. Let me read it. <laughs> and they, unbeknownst to them, they have begun the ritual to open hell, right? Right. You could even say that's the original sin of the movie is the greed of Terry, that little bitch. That little fucking bitch. Yeah, so then we cut back to what becomes the worst party of all time. Again, I I didn't get invited to a lot, but if I went to a high school party and we're all dancing to Flock of Seagulls and chain smoking and drinking, right? right. You're like, oh man, I'm I'm gonna get in it tonight. I'm gonna get in it. <laughs> you know, I got my best my best shirt on. I'm ready. Oh, I know and then all of a sudden they're this. like, time out. The party must stop for ghost stories and feats of paranormal excellence. <laughs> Yes. If I went to a high school party and someone's like, hang on, guys, hang on. I know we're all having a great time drinking and smoking, but first, let's tell a great ghost story, shall we? If that was ever uttered at a party, I'd be like, nope, out, and I would have fucking yeah. booked. And let's I was a fucking nerd those biological school. breaks, you horny teens, <laughs> and tell some real haunting ghost stories. <laughs> oh, my God. But not only that, the ghost stories are pretty fucking lame, as is. Yeah, they're terrible. 
But then uh, this this children of the corn looking girl, right? She's got kind of a sister wife vibe. She stands up. I can levitate people. Yeah. Also, fuck? in the eighties, <laughs> if you're gonna say you're gonna levitate people, you can't be children of the corn. Like not even children of the corn is passable. You need to be straight goth or nothing at all. Don't oh fuck my with God, me. Right? Why the fuck was she not a goth? Very not cool. Not cool, guys. No. Yeah. I mean, don't the children of corn have their own franchise? Yeah. Give me the dope trope of my goth girl, and I'll give you the I'll give you the levitation. <laughs> you, that's time out for you. You're abusing my dope tropes. That's coming up. I have a dope trope for this movie. Uh, so yeah, the kids come down, and uh, doesn't matter to the party that the children of the corn girl, little Ezekiel, whatever her name is, she actually levitates Steven Dorf into a light, throws him across the ceiling. He drops down. And everyone's like, "Puss." And yeah. he just runs upstairs crying, and that's not a big deal. <laughs> yeah. No one's like, I wonder if he's okay. Eh, fuck him. He's fine. Whatever. That was the 80s, man. We were all left to our own. The yeah. 80s were very much like the Jungle Book. Yeah. If instead of animals, it was like parents in sweatsuits smoking. It was very You said weird it best. The, the 80s, 80s was definitely a wild west for children. Like, we just got left to our own devices. No, there were things in this movie that I, it took me right back to my the worst things in my childhood, right? There was like the smoking <laughs> in the house, the, um, it was okay for older kids to just kind of beat me up and do weird shit. My dad would just be like, don't be a puss. And you're like, wow, thanks, dad. Bullying. <laughs> Bullying only happens if you want it to, boy. And then uh, one of my other least favorite things, bug zappers. Oh, just God. The fucking most disgusting thing. Not only was it just gross, but then it it kind of freaked me out as a little kid. You're like, God damn, these bugs are just going headlong into their destruction. Yeah. Little did I know that we all are. <laughs> But I remember having to get up there like a scraper and like scrape fucking dead body parts. Oh, God. Wasn't it the the worst cleaning those out? I used to have to do that at my grandma's house. It was awful. Repulsive. This is this is what I took mostly away. You know what? This movie is a gateway into a hell that was the whole 80s. I look back and I I remember the 80s is like I was born in the 80s. Shit was kind of cool there. The music was good. No, the 80s was hell. The 80s was hell. You just had decent music, right? Almost taunting you. This whole nos- <laughs> this whole nostalgia kick for the 80s is like, this is like rose-colored glasses to the nth degree. Like It's crazy. Every decade you go back is worse than this one. Yeah. Watch, like, w- watch the gate and realize how totally shitty the 80s were. <laughs> well, just look at the world we live in now and then look back at like, I mean, that might as well be fucking cave people. <laughs> like, here's the thing, right? Like, right now, if my dog were to die, I'm sure I could get on my cell phone or an app and have that taken care of in a decent manner. Right. This movie shows a teenage <laughs> oh guy in the hopes of getting laid, driving around in his chickmobile with a dead dog, weekend at Bernie's style. Yeah. And when he gets to the store, he doesn't even know it's closed because he doesn't have Google on his cell phone. He gets to the uh, animal shelter to drop the dead dog off. It's closed. He looks at the dead dog. <sighs> no vacancies, dead. Like some fucking weird, creepy, morbid Spicoli. <laughs> Not a fan of the 80s. Fuck the 80s. We'll get back to the dog, right? So after the party, hell is actually coming official, right? Right. This is what I wrote down. This movie is fucking very mean to Terry. Because <laughs> we have a huge discrepancy, right? Each kid confronts hell for the first time. Right. Steven Dorff's version of hell, apparently, is giant moths. And not even Mothra giant that could, like, use no. their wings to beat upon your house. Moths that are, like, you know, the size of a softball. Yeah. Which are still the wimpiest bug ever. <laughs> you can just wipe the dust off their wings and they're fucked. Uh, and then we go to Terry. Terry's Ugh. story. Terry's uh, first fucking uh, glimpse of hell. A wee bit worse. Terry's life is, like, 
yeah, comparatively to Stephen Dorff, the Terry's hell is just infinitely just an, an abyss of awful. <laughs> so Terry, wait, Terry, like, so he, Terry slept over. He walks out into the foyer and sees his, the like his dead mother floating in the doorway. Like Terry, I love you. I miss you. And he's like, oh my god, it's my mom. He jaunts his little ass down the stairs, starts hugging his mother tightly. He missed her so much. He's hugging her, feeling, oh, I feel right again. Then the fucking magic wears off, and he realizes he fucking of mice and men, the goddamn dog. (laughs) Yeah, he's just holding a dead dog, and I love the shot of Dorf and his sister running to the top of the stairs, and they just look down, and there's this great like zoom-in shot, if I remember (laughs) right, where it's kind of Terry with his arms up like, did I do that? Like yeah. an Urkel. It's like, with the dead fucking dog. He like here's throws his hands part, up though. and the dog gets just fucking tossed. Like Here's the best part. He he goes back to bed. He stays the rest yeah. of the night. <laughs> he stayed the night. They didn't say, you need to get the fuck out of here. You killed our dog. No, no, no. It's fine. This tells you how hardcore and fucking hardened to life that Terry's become. <laughs> is that he sees his dead mother, murders a dog, <laughs> and just walks right back upstairs and gets his Z's. Yeah. That's a tough kid. What we learn is he goes back home, right? And there's a lot of good visual storytelling of this dad is obviously not doing his duties, right? Whether right. it's through grief or he was always a piece of shit. A lot of like fast food, junk around, you know, whatever. Not great. And then we learn that his dad's other thing he does is whenever he travels for business, I think it is, he gets his son um, Satanist heavy metal records with really <laughs> thick, overly information-laden liner notes. Very specific present to begin your kids. Not like magnets or anything. It's literally Satan records with like really great cover art. Yeah, but not like there's like, instead of liner notes, it just has its entire manual on how to summon demons that will end the entire world. It's just incantations. It's just incantations. Again, though, I watched that scene and I was like, I've always wanted to have that kind of woodblock demon art. I see it in movies all the time. I'm like, where the fuck can I buy this? Why do I not have it? Uh, I also wear robes and do the chants, right? I, I do the fantasy metal. God, where's but your- this is you learn. This is one of the things that this movie gets away with. The movie weaponizes the death of a mother against yeah. Terry. That is such a a deep trauma, right? All of us that are lucky enough to not have lost a parent uh, when we were young, especially because that's the phase when you need them the most, right? right? Like at this age, our parents are older, we're older, we're already sustaining ourselves. I'm a parent now. It's different. Right. As a young kid to lose a parent, that's so uh, jarring and a horrible tragedy. Um, Most movies would let that be enough. This one says... No, nope. fuck that. We're going to weaponize that and just put Terry right back in the crosshairs of reliving this insane trauma. It's actually one of the more depraved haunting scenes that I've seen in a long time. Oh, yeah. Terry's life is like severely fucked up. And this whatever happens to Terry past this movie, that will be prevailing. Like, man, I love my family, my two kids, my darling wife. But that one time where I murdered a dog thinking it was my mother might be. There's the- no chance that terry goes on to a good life if you've listened to all of our other shows terry actually probably becomes the guy from a dark song that's yes. that's terry's oh actual God. future it's exactly what it is a dark song is totally the spiritual sequel to the gate this is the prequel absolutely oh my yeah, God, terry but this is what i mean 
think of all those other kids movies we've th- talked about, right? None of them have that kind of trauma and actual horror visited upon no. them. Well, it's like, hardcore. All the rest of them, like like Monster Squad's kind of cheeky and fun. The Goonies, it's all fucking self-inflicted. Those kids go down there themselves. They know what they were doing. They're looking for treasure. They're idiots. But also, they're kind of chased by like zany bad guy. Like, right. I mean, they're not portrayed as zany, right? They're like these guys are really hardcore. No, but, when but we it's see him, very it's all mu- fucking slide whistle and right. get it's, your nuts kicked. It's and very shit. like kind of Benny Hill, like that kind of thing. This is this kid has suffered a horrible trauma, and then you're right, like. This deem the gate that has opened is literally re weaponizing his horrible trauma against him and be like, Hey, if you thought that was fucked up, wait till we double down on this bitch. Like, that's what yeah. this whole thing is. And that's what I like about this movie, right? Is that it actually really goes not only does it show us the horror of being in the eighties, but it, it, it goes for the really deep, personal, scary kind of shit. Like if you were to wake up and see your dead parent in a doorway and then wake up holding a dead dog. That is fucking crazy. Oh, yeah. And the Severe fact that it trauma. happens to a kid in a movie is intense, man. I can't believe they went there. Right. The movie from there veers away a little bit, right? We get a great scene with Dwarf uh, where they – this is the the evil dead for beginners section, as I call it, where there's creepy hands that come out from the bed and grab the sister. They fight right. loose. We're introduced to micro demons, which are fantastic. We'll get to them in a minute. We run downstairs and uh, Dwarf is confronted by his parents, right? Uh, they're like, why are you fucking e-smoking? No, that's not what happens. But uh, <laughs> so <laughs> I do like to think this is another fun game, right? Watch this movie as a prequel to Blade, right? This is Deacon Frost when he actually <laughs> completed his mission, right? <laughs> But no, but Dorf, you know, his dad starts strangling him and he puts his thumbs through his dad's eyes and Oh, and it gets all milky, yeah. Yeah, it's it's just gore, right? Yeah. And it's it's scary. It doesn't work like Terry's though, right? This is where we start getting more into the stylized set pieces. Yeah. But that is still that's still a a child killing his parent, right? His his protector choking him. There's a lot of um there's a lot of fat frat fratricide, is that what it is? Or Infanticide? Uh, that's when you kill a baby, right? Yeah, that's when you, I don't know. Either way, a lot of ki- a lot of parents, de- a lot of parent death. Being Fratricide's where you kill a, a sibling, right? sister, brother. Sibling, Either yeah. way. Either way. Lot Not of- good stuff, guys. It was the '80s. All that shit was happening. Right. The guy's probably still driving around with the dead dog, trying to get laid. <laughs> uh oh, we forgot about that. He yeah. gets done. He keeps driving around with this dog. Just brings it back to the girl. <laughs> so he's like, "I'll take the dog." To get laid, right? Right. It's not open. He doesn't just find like a field and chuck the dog in. He nope. brings it back to the girl. Brings it back to the girl so and his, finds his that fucking. entire thing is I'll take the. <laughs> and says, oh, hey, there's a huge fucking hole in the ground. I'm sure nothing terrible will happen and chucks the dog in. That to me is his only forgivable thing. If you take the dog to get laid, you don't bring the dog back. You stop <laughs> anywhere to get rid of that fucking dog body. That's the they worst thing he could have done. She doesn't want to see her dog has just been driven around like he's a fucking parade float. What I really you like get to get rid of that dog. What I like to think about that guy is he's like the shitbag version of that character from Stranger Things who like <laughs> like he's the one like he's the version What's that of guy's name, Steve. Steve. Yeah. He's the version of Steve that like clearly has no moral compass. He's like, you know what? Fuck it. I'll just throw the stupid dog and down the stupid. Aren't hole. we all Steve's with no moral compass in the 80s? Wasn't that all of us? <laughs> Just this guy. Steve is a, Steve's right. a, Steve's a hero. <laughs> but 
But okay, so here's here's the turn this movie makes now, which I really like. This is what salts it. Because it has this good intro with some really good psychological horror going on. Right. And it kind of just says, fuck it. We're not over-explaining. We're just going to get into the fun. This movie then features some of the best set pieces and effect gags. Yeah. Um, and, and a continuous chain of them for about the last 45 minutes to an hour of the movie that are fantastic. Yeah. Like I said, the micro-demons, I love them in this movie. It's fucking. really cool. Like, that effect is just so, like, it's... It's terrifying. Like, it's one of those things. I still like, to this day don't know what they did. Like, is it little people in big costumes that then look little? Like, why are they moving so weird? The no. way they move in that film is something that haunted me when I saw it as a kid and still creeped me the fuck out when I watched what it What it now. is is... You could honestly say that a lot of it is is more kind of action-y nowadays, right? It's a little more set piece and payoff. Sure. Um, but those things still actually get a rise out of it. I actually didn't know, and then I was flipping through the IMDb and saw a set photo, actually, of the... So it's real people in those costumes. And basically what they did was they superimposed Stephen Dwarf and the sister on, like, into another frame, but they shot, like, they built the big version of the room and just shot those guys in that's suits. That's so awesome. Which is fucking so, rad, man. But that's what I mean. That kind of movement and real shit, you just you lose some of that when you animate it, right? Oh, yeah, totally. So there, there's just something off about it. Every time I see them, it just feels weird, right? Like I am in almost another dimension. Um, there's a great... Like the micro demons have great moments, right? I really love when there's the great <laughs> set piece of... Uh, Terry sliding down into the mouth of hell with all the smoke, you know, barreling <laughs> yeah, down. Yeah, absolutely. And and the little demons are kind of clawing at him. It's really creepy. And then he gets out and just way to end a set piece. Bible grenade. Oh, the Bible grenade. It's so great because they're reading an incantation. He's like, "Don't worry, I'm about to seal this bitch." They're like, "Don't get too close." Of course, he falls in. Right. He gets out. I lost the right. So like, just read any prayer, any page of the Bible. He starts. Um, Thou shalt not. Fuck this. It just throws the Bible in and it causes an explosion. That's that awesome 80s logic of like, eh, you know what? It's the Bible who gives a shit. Like, it's like that toss is you're like, you know what? This is a producer who goes, oh, can we just like, is there anything he can like do rather than read? Like, can we not do another incantation? Like, well, you know, like maybe, you know what? I got an idea. What if it's just like you throw the Bible and it becomes a weapon? Yeah. Uh, all right, sure. whatever, sure. Let's it's just visually it. perfect, right? It's the whole, like, we know we're using the Bible as a weapon, but why waste time with that <laughs> fancy reading? Why waste time with those words you guys are always going on about? Let's just yeah. throw that fucker. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it's it's one of those, it's just a little thing, but it's cool, right? It's a oh, it's memorable awesome. moment, right? Um, there's another moment with the micro demons uh, that I fucking love, right? So one of the cool things is we think that they have closed the gate to hell, right? Right. One of the things is they run back in, and we're struck by Steve and Dorf and them now. They do feel very heroic, right? The weird mm -hmm. thing is the kids taking on – the kids don't do anything to invite hell on themselves in this no. movie, right? They are victims. The older daughter may be a little more. Her friends are shown as kind of like shitbag teens, which we all were. Yeah. Um, But – through just taking it on, right? Like, hell just kind of came at them inadvertently. They didn't know what they were doing, and they're like, yeah, we'll handle it. We'll right. go out there. We'll do it. Yeah. Um, they never leave Terry behind. You know, he he still is cool with his sister, even though she's left him. Right. The scene when she fucking leaves him, right? When it's like, 
don't call mom and dad and fuck you. I'm going to the mall. Oh, and then yeah. she's like, well, I came back with a rocket. And it's like, yeah, but you also left me for like a couple hours to go chase tail. Yeah. Like, what the hell? Shitty. Yeah. No, but she's he a still terrible... stays with her. Right. So we see this, this goodness of the kids and, and they become very heroic. Right. We think they might've done it. And then this is a cool little thing they do early in the film. We learn that, uh, what's his name? Glenn is having nightmares. Because uh, Terry told him that a contractor died and they just buried his ass in the walls. Yeah. <laughs> Later, he's actually grabbed through the walls by that lie. His yeah. own lie grabs him and reopens A lie of his own making. It's uh, a nice touch. It's a nice fucking touch. I enjoy that a lot. It's a very cool little bit of writing. Like I think that's what's interesting is, I mean, again, it goes back to like the alchemy of these movies we've been watching and also like what we love so much about this whole goes to health curation this month is like, you are the inventor of your own hell. Like that's really what it is. Like hell is not necessarily a place you go. Hell is a thing of your own making. And I think that's, what's so fucking cool about a lot of the stuff we've watched. And particularly the gate is like, granted Terry did not deserve many of the things that happened to him in this movie, but, uh, you know, the contractor bit is really good and it's a little bit of comeuppance. It's one of those interesting, um, tidbits that's really great about hell being your own personal issues right well what this movie does which is really cool is they give us the physical location right there's actually a gaping maw that we are led to believe is a gate to hell we see demons coming forth right but what that does is it plays in conjunction with the rising personal hell within each right right so while we there is an actual hell and it opens. And this gets to that cool scene, right? So the next scene, they bring back the zombie. And you're kind of like, oh, that's silly. Like, they don't have a connection to the zombie. Right. They bust him in the head and he falls. And as he hits the floor, micro he explodes into like 20 of those little micro demons. Right. They all start going everywhere. That is fucking creepy, right? So now what we're left to fathom, right? Were those demons the ones that killed the dog and they surrounded his body and made the visage of Terry's mom? Right. That's fucking disgusting. Was he hugging the demons and then they rolled off like popples oh. and just left a dead dog there? Oh, that's uh, terrifying. Were they, the, were they the other parents choking their son? Um, it's a cool little wrinkle, right? It shows us kind of the hunting tactics yeah. of these demons. And it also shows that while little, the, the effect of the demon is not that it's a ferocious beast in and of itself it's that together they form a hellacious vision right just right. as all of the traumas and little fucked up things in our life that's what will make our own hell so while maybe not intentional you know and this is kind of something about alchemy of films right sometimes things are intentional they're just visually cool and they they happen to find greater meaning and to me the micro demons in this found that greater meaning it's it's really fucking fun to watch them do that yeah, I think it's uh, it's one of those things where, and again, I love the idea, like we've talked about it a couple of times, where movies that don't let up. So like the idea to me of Micro Demons is this is like, all right, you've dealt with this one seemingly insurmountable thing that is sort of odd and oddly of your own machinations. It explodes into a million more problems. Like not... Yeah, not yeah, really like not relieving your characters of anything is like one of those things that I think is really great, particularly about these kinds of movies is like you're sort of ratcheting it up every single time, every single time, every single time until you get to the big problem. Like, holy shit, what could we possibly what could we possibly do to finish this off? And, you know, 
obviously it's always, I mean, for these kinds of movies, particularly, it's always a motif that's sort of a running gag throughout the movies. This time it's, you know, rockets and that kind of thing. And, uh, you know, things that things from your childhood that bring you solace and bring you peace is what's able to, uh, out, outweigh the, outweigh the evil and outweigh the darkness. And this, this is the thing that I, I, I like a lot, right? In a movie about kids, the, the hell being so specifically targeted to them and things that are troubling them is an interesting concept, right? A lot of time, I mean, a lot of these movies seem to shy away and make the kids almost caricatures of kids we know and get their little laughs in. Right. I don't think the Goonies does that. Stand By Me is like a really hardcore version of kids dealing with shit. <laughs> yes. uh, but this one does it too, right? Like, Terry is actually visited by his lie, his dead mother. Um, the targetedness of the hell. And I love what you said about the demons represent, you know, one big thing becoming so many more if you don't deal with it and this and that. That's a cool concept. And it, it adds a, a depth to the movie, which you wouldn't expect in a movie that's kind of actiony at the end, right? It's right. kind of just goofy horror set pieces, right? And they're good set pieces. No, they're great. But that little extra level and then... The heart, right? Maybe that's why the hell's not as bad for Dorf is because he has this love for his sister as exemplified by rockets. True. So these these little personal storytelling touches, I think the effect of them is magnified beyond what is necessarily logical for a movie like this. Right. <laughs> no, I mean... I, yeah, it's yeah. awesome. It's one of those things where, I mean, again, like it's one of those things where it's just the alchemy of great filmmaking and... This isn't by no stretch of the imagination, in my opinion, like a masterpiece of a movie, but it does the right things and it provokes the right emotions where you're like, I am with these kids. Like that rocket thing is a really, I was a big astronaut kid. I was an astronaut. I went to, you know, astronaut club. I used to make rockets and all kinds of stuff. And I was one of those nerdy kids who really liked that stuff. But at the same time, it was really important to me to, for that to be a part of it. So watching that and seeing that in this kind of movie it evokes that emotion of like, holy shit, like being helpless and having that as being like your one sort of contribution, your one solace from the darkness of the real world is really, uh, really interesting. And it's really important, I think. Fucking nerd. No, just kidding. <laughs> Thanks a lot. I, I just had my cool metal in my, my jean vest jackets. That's <laughs> what I had. Evidently. I was just badass as a kid. <laughs> I was a Terry. No big deal. You were. A t- um, you were. Yeah, a Terry. There, there was a weird. So at the end, right, this is one of the things, right? The movie always pays off the set pieces, which I love. Yeah. So then we get to the floor cracking open. His brother or his sister and Terry have been dragged to hell, right? Right. They're the two victims, right? They had mentioned they need two victims, right? They seem to be the two. Yeah. To complete the ritual. They get the great the pillar of smoke going up. The entire sky is darkened. I forgot dope trope alert in this one. Um, There's a scene early when hell is first starting where they have the walls made out of like spandex and the hands are reaching through the walls of the demon face oh yeah uh, made famous in like nightmare on elm street i love i've always loved that shot of like the walls where like the hands are coming they don't break through the wall they almost are the wall yeah dope yeah. trope alert when i saw that in this one i was like fuck i love every time i see that in a movie for sure uh i almost walked past it i found it in my notes um so yeah, as they're paying off the set pieces, like you said, don't make it easier on him. It gets bigger and bigger. So now his friend and his sister are part of the the completion of the gate, right? Right. Hell is spilling out into the sky. It's spilling everywhere. The house is getting destroyed. Uh, we see the, do you lift, bro, demon? <laughs> yes. And this is the thing. He, <laughs> yeah. He's a big motherfucker. 
So he comes out, and this is a really weird scene, though, right? This is like one of those scene breakdown things that I wanted to talk about. So he comes out, and it's, do you lift, bro? He looks at Steven Dorff, who I think is already holding the rocket but doesn't have the launcher. Yeah. He reaches down like he's going to murder him, which would be kind of logical. He pats him on the head like a pet and lets him go about his way. And then Steven Dorff looks down, and an eyeball has appeared on his hand. Oh, yeah. What the fuck do you make of that? Why does the demon let him off? Is that just like a, you did it, kid. You brought hell to earth. I don't know. Like I, I thought that was kind. Of, I mean, when I saw take that, out the obvious, if he eats him, the movie's over. What do you think? Why does the demon pat him like a pet and release him? Well, I thought. I thought. That, I think you hit the nail on the head. Like I thought it was like him literally patting him on the head like a pet. Be like, you're with us now, motherfucker. Like that little like pat on the head, and then he's got an eye. Like he's they're they're already transforming him because you know like Terry jumps out of the. Terry like surprises him after and he like bites him or whatever that is. like that little that little oh beat. the Terry head fuck yeah. that is some creepy pet cemetery shit yeah like, yeah I forgot about like the that head. little beat I feel like him patting him on the head and he's got like the hand thing like that to me is this that is like hey you're joining us like prepare yourself you know what I thought the eyeball could have been when he holds it up to himself he's uh he has to look and see what he really is what's he made of right oh that's interesting of self-examination it's a moment of are you going to be the hero or is this story already over okay i like that actually that's a weird because then he stabs it out right like yeah yeah so i don't know if it's like when the demon pats him and the eyeball watches him that's how like we know we know it's over we know we've defeated you you know we've defeated you right we're a part of you now i like that interpretation again i don't know that any of that's meant but I think sometimes that's the thing, man. If you just have these cool scenes and and you build up this good bedrock of storytelling that some of these things can take on a life of their own. And I thought that's a really weird scene, right? Because the obvious is once the big demon comes out, it starts crashing about, trying to smash him. He's jumping and running. It's very still, right? Which gives it an extra level of creepiness to me. right? And I, and I don't exactly know what they meant by it. I liked your interpretation. I think that's pretty on the nose, though. I mean, it's not on the nose in the sense of, like it's too much. Like I think it's that's... on the eye. <laughs> ruined it. So cool, and then you ruined it. That was... I'm gonna go to my Terry basement and <laughs> flagellate myself. <laughs> no, I think that's a. I like that interpretation better than mine, though. Like I like the idea that he's like looking at himself, being like, "Are you enough?" But, like, it's not him. It's, like, this demon version of him saying, are you enough? Are you the man? Like, are you the hero of this story? And then he stabs his eye out, and he's like, yes, I am. And that's him rejecting this, like, sort of superf... Like, it's him rejecting this sort of, like, fluidity in his life. Like, I'm not just going to go with the flow. I'm going to be the hero of my own story. Okay, here's another thought. Maybe to link it to this. Maybe this is actually what, what it means, right? Is the eyeball looks at him. It's a it's a moment for him, and the demon pats him, right? Almost like, welcome, you're a denizen now. Right. When the eyeball looks at him, this is his life in hell, right? He has lost his sister and his friend. By then, stabbing the eye and rejecting that hellacious version of himself, he bonds on to the love of what makes him happy, right? His sister, the rocket, all that. He He still has the things that 
protect him from being in hell in a way. And when he launches that into the heart of the demon, it's it seems silly, but I'm with you. I think it's kind of a sweet moment. It is. Right? I, I actually like it. Like I get it's corny to beat the, you know, do you even bench bro demon with a little toy rocket. But it's cool, man. It's, it's cool. sister. His sister Come didn't on. throw it away. She saved it for him. It's cute. It's yeah. cute. And I, I like it. I think it's That's good. that familial thing. That's that part of the movie. That's the part of the movie where your mom walks back and you're like, I made a good choice for these kids today. Like they're learning a very yeah, valuable right. lesson. This is the thing I learned though, that if shit ever goes down, you go find those divorced dads that hang out at Hobby Lobby and launch launch, launch rockets at the park on the weekend <laughs> to try to still feel like they're great dads. You hang out with those motherfuckers. When the apocalypse goes down, you find them, not bikers or whatever. You go that find the model, is the a, divorced dad model rocket. That is a wildly specific demographic, but I think you're probably right. <laughs> As a guy who's been in one too many model stores, trust me, that is a that is a hardcore group right there. <laughs> uh, yeah, man, it's it's cool. He blows him up with love of his sister. He gets his family back. Uh, the beautiful shot of the darkness filling the sky is replaced with fireworks. There's a really cool shot, which I always love, where it looks like Stephen Dorff standing in front of a projector of like a sunrise through the carnage. Uh, it's just it's visually good ending. It's fun. It's it's entertaining. Um, to me, the movie achieves a lot. Right, the set pieces are great. The demons are great. It has very memorable horror moments. But what I will remember most is the the personalized and weaponized hell of a very serious nature wrought upon kids on the innocent. You you normally don't see that kind of viciousness in a movie. And to me, I, I think what they do is they they give you earnest, good anticipation of how bad this is going to get with those kind of more subtle uh, yet disturbing moments yeah that then when it kind of devolves into action horror set pieces you still have that bedrock and that emotional connection when you start to lose the characters in the uh the commotion oh yeah i'll always remember terry lennying the dog that yeah. was that... The, god damn it the guy with the dog i'm just i'm mad that that's how he thought he was gonna get laid and i'm mad he brought the dog back I'm mad that Steven Dorff went through this and it just sent him on the road to blue cigarettes and vampirism. <laughs> I mean, he didn't seem to hate it that much, so, you know. Yeah, I'm mad that Terry becomes the guy in a dark song. It just doesn't feel like it's going to work out <laughs> for any of them. Also, like, when they get home, you do feel like their parents will actually strangle them and murder them. Yeah, that's, like, the best part of the end. That's my favorite part of the ending is, like, they're all, all pondering, like, oh, man, we really did fuck up the house. I'm like... Yeah, I think. Your and then they are- just Stephen Dorff just puts his arms around him and says, "Fuck our parents." Yeah, he's like, "Well, I'm just gonna go be a vampire and be cute." Yeah, the little bit we saw of the parents, they don't seem like they're the kind of open-minded parents that would be like, "I'm really glad you were saved from hell." Yeah, no, I this movie's understand. <laughs> this movie's the prequel to a lot of like fucked up shit that happens to these kids. There's no way it works well for them. <laughs> uh, but that's what I mean. I I I think the alchemy of this movie is what it. What it could have been reduced to is just kids opening hell. It it kind of transcends the cartooniness of the threat. Definitely. And gets into things that are actually unsettling. The little demons feel cartoony, but to me, they're actually pretty unnerving. And then the nice trick of the body busting apart, that adds a layer to that. And, and Terry's very personalized hell uh, encounters. Are, that's, that's 
just real, right? And I think the movie between that and then the effects and the creature work, the set pieces are beautiful. It just it pays off. It, the movie has a lot of good parts, and when you mix them all together, the end product is far more entertaining than you would fathom when you start this movie for the first like 10 minutes. Agreed. I was a little skeptical going in. I am glad I saw this movie. It made me very happy. I can't wait till my kid is four to watch it with him. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Good parenting. Uh, yeah, guys, that's it. The pod has made it safely to hell and back. Uh, we hope you enjoyed all these movies as much as we did. Uh, this is where we ask for your help, guys. We're a young podcast. If you can rate and review, that helps us a bunch. What would be really cool, though, guys, if you have a friend that would like The Gate, Watch it with them and then share the show, right? This is how we'll build the network of alchemists, right? We're going to get more and more of us down here in this dungeon. Um, also, send us your uh, ideas for movies you would like to see done on the show. Our next theme, we're doing Alien Invade the Pod, Aliens Invade the Pod Month. So these will all be movies featuring various forms of alien invasion. We have four selected as of July 1st when this is up, uh, or July whenever this is up. I'm not sure of the schedule. But we will make it available to you that on top of the four Alien Invades movies that we're going to do, you guys can vote and pick a fifth Alien Invasion movie to us. That's how we're going to do it. You'll get one show a week and then we'll throw in an extra that you, the audience, pick. So throw us your ideas for that. Uh, throw us ideas for any movie, guys. Any movie you give us, we would like to try to get to someday. It'll help guide the show, help us pick themes. Uh, I think it'd be a great way for all of us to get together. Yes. Bother us all the time about the movies you want to hear us talk about, because that's how we construct this stuff. I will curate up the wazoo, but if you guys don't <laughs> give me what you, if you guys don't give me what you want, I can't help you. I will murder your dog, wear it as a suit and make you dance with me after your midnight pee. All right. I won't do that, but you know, just too much. Like, pick a movie too much. <laughs> I'll at least make you scrub my bug zappers. There you go. That, that makes more sense. That's better. Until um. next time, guys, when aliens invade the pod, thanks for hanging out with us. Peace. <laughs>